Hi, this is Ellis Marcellus, and you're listening to Victor Goins, Trisha Butte, Maggie Kerner, Idris Mohammed, Pearl and Raleigh, Bradford Marcellus. Coming to you from the studios at WWOZ FM, this is a WWOZ podcast. And you're in tune to WWOZ 90.7 FM here in the Crescent City. And I'm Keith, and this is the traditional jazz show here on a Friday morning, a very beautiful Friday morning, nice, bright, sunshiny day, a nice to get out and enjoy the great city we call New Orleans, and a great day to get out for the beginning of Satchmo Fest, y'all. Satchmo Fest weekend right here in the Crescent City. Lots of great music, lots of great food, activities, seminars, just a whole deal, y'all. And speaking of Satchmo Fest, I'm pleased to uh, welcome some special guests who stopped in to share some information about Satchmo Fest and the man named after this festival, named for this festival, Mr. Louis Satchmo Armstrong. Please welcome to the studio Mr. Ricky Ricardi and Mr. Uh, Scott Wenzel. And with the uh, Satchmo Fest uh, organization, Miss Marcy Schramm. How y'all doing? Very well. Never better. Great to see you all. And uh, Ricky, you've been a guest here many times. And you number seven. Number seven, yes. (laughs) And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization that that you're representing up in New York. Well, I'm the archivist for the Louis Armstrong House Museum. It's a it's the home Louis lived in the last. Uh, 28 years of his life. It's in Corona, Queens. It's been open as a museum for the last 10 years. But over at Queens College are the Armstrong Archives. And the archives have been open for 20 years. It's the world's largest archives for a single jazz musician. We have Lewis's trumpets, his reel-to-reel tapes, scrapbooks, about 10,000 photographs. We have eight separate research collections. And I'm the guy who administers the whole thing. So I am wow. surrounded by Armstrong morning, noon, and night. Now give us a little bit of history about Louis Armstrong and his connection to the Queens uh, community. Yeah, Armstrong, he married Lucille Wilson, a cotton club dancer in 1942. Their honeymoon was six straight months of one-nighters. And Lucille said, this is, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> she wanted something a little bit more, you know, like a real home life. And so she was from New York. She had some friends who were from Queens. They knew that a home on 107th Street was being sold. Lewis is out on the road. He says, if you like it, go for it. Uh, So Lucille bought it. It was $8,000 to buy the home in March of 1943. And it's not a mansion. It's a typical kind of little Archie Bunker Queens house. Two floors, a basement. Yeah, nothing too lavish. Wow. But he loved it. He had never really had a house like that before. He loved the neighborhood. It was working class people. It was lots of kids. Wow. And uh, once he saw it, he said, that's it. That was was it. He refused to move. Wow. And on his passing, uh, his... his, uh all of his uh, records and oh, memorabilia. Armstrong was a pack rat. He saved, <laughs> he saved records. He saved business cards. But for somebody with a fifth grade education, he was very aware of his own importance. Wow. So he used to document things. He would say, for posterity. He would, he would make these tapes of him and his wife fighting or him and friends talking about marijuana or telling dirty jokes then he would sit there in his spare time and index every tape write down the contents so he was collecting all this stuff from his life he died in 71 lucille god bless her she never threw anything out she kept it all she died in 83 and in her will she gave the house all the contents to, to the city of new york 
and they worked at a deal with the Armstrong Estate that Queens College would administer everything. So everything was packed up from the house, uh, Louis' belongings, and we opened the archives in 94, we opened the house in 03, and now we're building an education center. It's going to be open in about two years. It's going to be directly across the street from the Armstrong house, and the archives are going to be moving to this education center. So in one stop, you can see Louis' house, you can go to the archives, uh, the education center is going to have a, uh, a music room, a 72-seat room with concerts and lectures wow. and film screenings. So the whole block is going to be dedicated to Armstrong. It's going wow, to be that's beautiful. fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep saying. <laughs> now, you have a special guest with us, Mr. Scott. Um, Scott Wenzel is Wenzel, here. yes. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your relationship you all have? Uh, well, it's which been, been working on. <laughs> 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 we were going to bring in Maury Povich here. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> yes. No, Scott, Scott's a guru from Mosaic Records, the world's greatest jazz yeah. reissue label. And <laughs> I've been buying Mosaic sets since 1997. Yes. And I have, I think, 44 sets in my collection. Wow. And so I've always admired them more than anybody else. And Scott's worked with them since the 1980s. And this new Armstrong set, it's an idea that I had about eight or nine years ago, but I knew the only label that was going to put it out would be was Mosaic. Mosaic. Yeah. So I hunted Scott down <laughs> in 2006. And he used to bring a, uh, a, 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 a bunch of people with torches, you know, to my home and, uh, you know, send me e- threatening emails. Crazy man, stalking. Yeah, I started stalking him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Scott can tell you a little bit about Mosaic. I mean, what Mosaic does—that's so great. Yeah, we put together box sets of um, LPs for those out there who remember vinyl and LPs. Although they're making a huge comeback, and um, and CDs. And we've been doing this since 1985 uh, in a limited edition form. And the reason we do that is we have um, a relationship with the parent record label. For instance, the Armstrong set here is. Uh, of his Columbia and RCA Victor recordings, live material, they are now owned by Sony Music Entertainment. So we go to Sony and we strike up a deal with them to uh, reissue the material on our label. And they go through all the, um, uh, you know, checking out to see if the what we've presented to them is actually there that they own, that they own the material. So uh, once they give us the go-ahead, we... Uh, Set up uh, liner note writers and and get photographers, uh, original photographs from the sessions, if possible. Uh, update the discography and sell it through uh, the mail. And we've been doing that since '85. And uh, uh, just this this is quite a large set nine, nine CDs. CDs. Yes. yes, yes, indeed. So I know it must have been a lot of work putting this together, right? We had yeah, it was really something. We've had in fact uh, LP sets. We did uh, Milt Gabler's complete uh, the Commodore label. And that was actually in three volumes of LPs. This was in the late 80s, and that was 66 LPs worth of material. Do you have those? No, no you I don't. Was, okay. I, was, I was nine you, years old. You have to get it on eBay now, and you have to do a, you know, remortgage yeah. your home and the whole thing. But, um, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of, um, especially when you're dealing with the original recordings, the original source material, because when we strike up this lease deal with the parent owners, we get access to the original metal mothers wow. that were used to press the discs with and the um, reel-to-reel tapes. Yes. So we have access to those, and when you get to be, when those that source material is over 20, 30, in some cases I've dealt with Big Spiderbeck material from the late 20s, it's 
it's not yeah. always in the great greatest shape. Yes. So, uh, hats off to our restoration engineer, uh, yeah. uh, all of them that we've had, but on this project Andreas. here, Andreas Meyer. Oh, I hope you're listening. So from Meyer, Meyer Media in Astoria, Queens. And this, so. this this box set is going to be available this weekend, right at the yes. festival. Yeah, this is kind of a big deal because Mosaic has done strictly mail order business since the beginning. If you yes. want it, you have to you have to get catalogs. Now it's mosaicrecords.com. But Thank you. The, <laughs> before the Summerfest, uh, there's a limited number here of this Armstrong set and their previous Armstrong set, his Decca recordings between 1935 and 46. Uh, there has been such a buzz that before we came on the air, the three of us were having an internal conversations of should we order more. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it might be smart to get online when the festival uh, opens today at noon because uh, they might not be around by yes. dinner time. Tonight. Again, that what was that again, Ricky? MosaicRecords.com. M-O-S-A-I-C. Now don't call because we won't. I won't be back there until Tuesday. There is a phone number involved as well. But anyway. Now, but, uh, aside from the uh, CDs, there'll be some other uh, things that you'll be doing at the festival. I am doing, I think, seven or eight. Yes. I, I can't even count that high. <laughs> now, you have a, another guest with you, and that's Marcy. Indeed. And she's with the Satchmo organization. This is her baby, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the organization, Marcy? Sure. And well, um, sorry, I'm talking into my mic here. <laughs> so we are, we're French Quarter Festivals Incorporated. We're best known, of course, for our gigantic April festival, French Quarter yes. Fest. <laughs> but Satchmo Summerfest, we, you know, it's our little boutique festival. We just oh, love, love, love this event I, to yes, death. It's the 14th, loves it. yes. 14th year. And we try and stay pure. It's every minute is dedicated to Louis Armstrong. It's, you know, we don't ever deviate from that, and, and it's all good. So between the, the seminars with these, you know, these scholars, these musicians coming from all over the world, We've got Wycliffe Gordon back with us again this year, too, and he's so incredible. Yes. Along with, you know, our mainstays, Dan yeah. Morgenstern and Ricky and Michael Cogswell. And, you know, the hardest thing to do is decide whether to go to a seminar or see some great music <laughs> yeah. on stage because you gotta you got to pick. But, um, I mean, I'm most excited. Some of these presentations, too. I think what's so exciting to me personally and so many of us is that Armstrong Scholarship is still so alive and well. One thing we haven't mentioned is with this box set we're talking about, so much of material on this has never, ever been heard. I mean, they're discovering things that have never yet, they've never been released. No one's ever heard them. So within these nine CDs, it's all fresh and new, you know, Carnegie Hall. And, and some of these, these guys are going to talk about it some more and play some of it for you. But it's just um, miraculous. You know, Armstrong left this world in 71, but they're still so discovering. He I was know. so prolific. I mean, wow. he just, he produced so much and he was so yeah. incredible. And it's not just... The music, there's interviews, and the yes. interviews are so much fun. He just, the charisma and that personality and that voice, and, and it's just so fun, and it's fascinating. And yes. it's such a look into him and his life and, and what he gave the world. And it, it's you hear it, and you feel like he's still with us. I mean, I think in spirit he is still with us. But it's part of what this festival is, is we celebrate, of course, the, the amazing history and what he gave the world. But we keep um, seeing that these guys like Ricky and Scott come, and, and they're bringing fresh stuff no one's ever heard. And isn't yes. it great that New Orleans has 
that we get to have it. You know, and we yes. love to share it with the world. We've got international tourists from all over the world I in know. for the weekend. I, I, coming in this morning, I just see people ready, excited. It's and awesome. England, yeah. Japan, everywhere. I mean Germany. Yeah. They're coming from everywhere. It's the only Louis Armstrong Festival in the world, which wow. I think is pretty special too. That so it's a labor of love for us. We love it. And as you know, it's all free and open to the public. There's no reason not to come. Um, we open today. Gates open at 11 o'clock. Um, the seminars are awesome. On stage, though, we've got Preservation Hall opening one of the stages. Oh. John Vappi. Uh, today we've got John Boutte up on yes. stage, the Dirty Dozen Brass Band, making their debut. They've yeah. never played this festival before. Wow. Uh, Charmaine Neville's on stage Charmaine, today, yeah. Smoking Time Jazz Club. So it's, you know, we try and stay pure with the music, too. This is, I think, the only traditional jazz festival in New Orleans, and, and that's pretty special, too. And that is special. Yeah. Yes. Wow. This is just great. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned, um, it's funny you mentioned the, the, um, the people that come internationally. I met someone at the... Um, a keynote address last night that was from England, and I've spoken to him on the phone at Mosaic, purchased our sets for years, 20 years probably, and he introduced me and says, hey, how you doing? You know, I, it's, I and, and I've spoken, oh my God, you know, Michael, how you doing? I, I, I've, now I, I can put the face the of the person right. I've been talking to for years. And then someone else who I, I have met, um, you know, up in Orange County, New York, and they're down here and for the festival. So it's a beautiful... Uh, uh, a beautiful festival to see oh, people yeah. come and congregate. Armstrong was so internationally beloved. Yes, I mean, everywhere. Throughout his lifetime. Yes. And we still see that at the Armstrong House. Almost every day we have tourists from around the world. You know, people from Sweden, from Japan, from Germany. You, know, you yes. name it. You know, sometimes they get to the airport and they come straight to the Armstrong House. And wow. they drop their bags and they just start crying. <laughs> so, yeah, like they're wow, here. Oh, man. Um, so you see that down here for Satchmo of Summerfest. You know, Armstrong touched so many people. And, you know, he's been gone for 43 years. So now you start dealing with people like myself who weren't even born when he was here. Uh, but his music, his spirit, everything is still so alive that yes. you just want to be immersed in it. So you have young and old and great. foreign and domestic. Everybody's here for Pops. I have to say that this guy is amazing. Ricky's incredible. Ricky. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember as a, as a young, as like a five-year-old, putting putting a, ju- a nickel in a jukebox and listening to Hello, Dolly. Yeah. I mean, it was it. Uh, I was enthralled, and I remember sending him a Get Well card as a, you know, when he was ill, and that was when I was nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And to see someone who's Ricky's years younger than I am, uh, <laughs> just do his thing and have that passion. It's really a beautiful thing. So, if, if, you know, if you're by the uh, Armstrong home. Please uh, drop yes. on by and say anytime, hello. Anytime. But people like me and Scott, we kind of gravitate towards each other. Yes. He's passionate about the music. I'm passionate about the music. And that's why Mosaic is so successful with what they do because a lot of the, there's 75 unreleased tracks on the set that were owned by Sony, by our, you know the RCA label, the Columbia label. In their and their archive. Had, or in they had vault. nobody in-house who was saying, hey, let's do a Louis Armstrong. Oh. Louis Armstrong's great. Let's put yeah. this unissued stuff. So it took... A couple of nuts like us to get together and pry it out of their archives, and here it is. I'm, I'm shaking my head. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, wait. I'm, I'm doing it up yeah. and down. I, we are nuts. Yes. Yeah, we're completely. crazy. And, we love and it. And also, <laughs> him, him recording with Columbia 
they had kind of the highest standard of recording at that time and, and engineers. Oh, absolutely. And, oh, sure. yeah. That's, yeah. That's actually one of the, the best parts about the set. Lewis signs with Columbia in the mid-50s, and the great producer, George Avakian. George, so, oh, yes, yes. And George, he's not here this year. Uh, we miss him so much. But, uh, uh, he's chilling in yeah. New York right now, but he's, <laughs> he's doing great. Uh, George, you know, like you said, the standards at Columbia were so high, so he would record so much material and then he would just chop away at it and edit it and just pick out you know the real nuggets and release that on lp so you get these records ambassador satch armstrong eddie condon at newport satchmo the great well george recorded so much but yes. he only issued you know maybe 35 minutes here 40 minutes here so this set kind of jumps into everything George recorded and it's all here it's unedited sometimes George added fake applause to make things appear <laughs> yes. live we've taken the applause out we have concerts there's a concert from the Newport Jazz Festival in 1956 where the entire time Armstrong was singing he was singing into the wrong microphone he oh, was singing wow. into the Voice of America Voice of America microphone yes. instead of Columbia microphone and we got the Voice of America reels pulled out the vocals and put them into the Columbia version so you can hear the full concert for the wow. first time. There's a there's a, a performance of the great um, Ink Spots yeah. hit, The Gypsy. And this is another beautiful thing of Louis where yeah. he was able to bring um, uh, pop standards yes. and, and make them his own yes. and, mm-hmm. and really make them jazz classics. And this was one of them where we listened and uh, there was no vocal. You could hear him off and it was like he was in another... You know, dressing yeah, right. And uh, all of a sudden, the music was there, but his vocal wasn't. And with these two mics, our again, our Andres, amazing en- yeah. engineer was able, was to, able to fuse to, the wow. two together and make it into an amazing performance. Um, yeah. yeah. Whenever we've, we when we uh, had our presentation at Lincoln Center, and then last night we played that before ex- examples and before and after. And you can hear the people in the audience go, <gasps> yeah. you know. Wow. <laughs> so there he is. He appears out of nowhere. fantastic. Yeah, so this stuff takes... It's a rescue mission. Exactly. Really. It, was, yeah. it was five years of Scott and I going back and forth of how to do it, and then three years of putting it together. Putting it together. So, you know, and just all the pitfalls. I mentioned George. Some of the stuff George recorded in the 50s, I knew it existed. I had bootleg copies of it. <laughs> <laughs> but Scott and I went over to Sony's archives, and Sony said, we don't have it. And we were getting discouraged. So George is a friend of mine. I called George, and he said, well, I have my archivist here. Why don't you ask uh, Matt Leskovic? So I, I wrote Matt, and I said, any chance? Yeah, it was all in George's basement. In his basement. <laughs> so, wow. So Scott had to drive up to yeah. George Bakian's house and pull all these old reel-to-reel tapes out, and we rescued it from George's basement. So no stone un- unturned. It's all here. And, and available in it's the It's available in the here. Box. It's That's going on sale at 11 o'clock and probably <laughs> sold out by 11.50. By 11.50. <laughs> and in that case, again, you can go to mosaicrecords.com. <laughs> M-O-S-A-I-C. Right. M-O-U-S-E. <laughs> now, Ricky, last year you had the book, and I think oh. when you have a new book. Uh, no, this is my new this is Well, in, it, in a way, he does have a new this book because he wrote the liner notes the liner to notes. our set. Yes. The liner notes, this, yeah. it's 27,000 yes, words. Yes, great liner notes. And Man. the funny part, the if you notice, the photograph on the front cover is from the same exact concert as the photo that's on the front of my book. (laughs) So we didn't really plan it that way. Scott and I, we had like 30 photos to choose from, and we both agreed that this was the most striking image for the cover of the set. And if you have my book and you put them side by side, it's like volume one and volume two. two. (laughs) If you've read my book and you enjoyed it, 
And this is like the soundtrack to my book. There's 11 hours here that, you know, if you've read all my lunatic ravings about why this period is so important in Armstrong's life, this is the oral evidence now to support it. I, I think, too, with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, a great tenor saxophonist, Lauren Schoenberg, who yeah. runs the, um, uh, he's involved with the National uh, Jazz Museum in Harlem. Uh, he said, uh, whenever I read his notes, I want to go back and listen to the music again. I remember hearing, uh, again, from when I was a kid, Woody Herman, Columbia Recordings, those, the great big band from 45 to 47. And I'd heard Caledonia and Apple Honey and Wild Root for years. And then when I read Lauren's notes, I had to go back and re-listen to those records again, along with, this, with the uh, notes. And that's what, Ricky, I've heard a couple of people say that last night, uh-huh. where they were like, you know, I have to listen to this music over and over again because you bring out so much in the notes. Well, uh, yeah, again, it's a mosaic thing. This is like such a love fest. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the, mo- all the mosaic sets have these beautiful booklets. And for me personally, when I was getting into the music back in the mid-90s, I never, ever once read a jazz history book. Yeah, I learned everything I needed to learn from liner notes, from yes. mosaic notes, from backs of record Morgan jackets. Stern, Dan Morgenstern, my hero who I'm co-presenting with tomorrow on Lewis in Denmark, Liner notes, you know, you get the right writer, the right passion, the right music. They can make you hear things that, yeah. you know, and nowadays everybody listens on iPods when they're running through the, yeah, yeah. the streets and you're listening to the car and yeah, traffic no, and all no. that. When they should be listening to 78s. <laughs> 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 so the first thing Scott, somebody walked in here is, where's the 78 player? So, <laughs> so <laughs> everybody's rolling their eyes. Well, we happen to have uh, the audio from the the box set with us, and you've, yeah, you've we're chosen gonna, a couple cuts. We have one of one of the, the real highlights of this this set is a concert from Carnegie Hall in 1947. Armstrong had just broken up his big band. He started his small group, the All Stars, in uh, August of 47. So, on November 15th, they're at Carnegie Hall. They recorded the entire concert, uh, RCA Victor, and at some point in the early 50s, they figured 90 minutes of the two-hour concert were prime stuff ready to be released. So they rescued you know, 90 minutes, they transferred 90 minutes, but for whatever reason, first, they didn't release it. But second, they labeled the tapes Symphony Hall instead of Carnegie Hall. And there's a very famous album called Satchmo at Symphony Hall. So anybody who worked at RCA from 1952 to 2002 probably looked at the tapes and said, oh, it's just a dub of Satchmo at Symphony Hall. Which was on DECA, a different label altogether. Totally different label. So in 2002, RCA had a great producer named Ben Young working for them, and he said, let me just pull these tapes and play them. And he played it. He said, wait a minute, this isn't the Symphony Hall concert. So he did some detective work. He sent it to some Armstrong nuts in Europe and other places, and they said, oh, my God, this is the Carnegie Hall concert. This has never been issued before. So Ben Young went to the bosses at RCA and said, we have 90 minutes of unissued Louis Armstrong. And they were like, yeah, well, we're not that interested in it. So I went right back on, in the shelves. And from 2002 to now 2014, it languished there. But it, now the full 90 minutes, it's not the complete concert, but it's the 90 minutes that RCA chose to transfer in 1952 in spectacular sound. Uh, the band is in heroic form. It's Louis Armstrong, it's Jack Teagarden on trombone, Barney Bigard on clarinet, Dick Carey on piano, Arvel Shaw on bass, my favorite drummer of all time, Big Sid Catlett on drums. And we've chosen something with an appropriate flavor for the where we are today. This is Lewis's own composition, co-written with Louis Russell, called Back of Town Blues.
There we go. That's All Carnegie right. Hall, 1947. Beautiful sound. Uh, never issued. Sitting in the vaults for 66 years. And that trombone of Jack Teagarden, uh, who, yes. uh, who just is... Uh, <laughs> He, he says at the end of the concert, uh, it, I'm in heaven now, or something to that effect. Uh, you know, he, was, he just was so happy that uh, Lewis um, came out of the big band and was uh, leading this small group again, and, and he was a part of it. It's a dream band. I mean, yeah. you know, Teagarden and Sid Callen and all these musicians, they just you know, they lived for Lewis. And, you wow, know, everybody yes. you hear in this Carnegie Hall show, it's just top to bottom, beautiful. Man. Wow, I'm glad you all had the opportunity to to pull those out of archives and now make it available. Basements. For basements, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And now it's available for, for listeners to hear. Yeah. Man. Only the first 5,000 listeners. The first 5,000? Yeah. <laughs> That's it, and it's gone. Yeah. Yes. Now, Ricky... Uh, some other things that you'll be doing yeah, at the festival? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be all over the place. Today, uh, my first thing... Well, at 2.30, David Ostwald, my good friend from New York, is presenting something on Lewis and civil rights. And I'm kind of the AV guy in that. I have some footage I've never shown before here. Lewis on the Dick Cavett show in 1970 talking about Uh some of the racial incidents that he experienced when he came back to New Orleans for the first time in 1931. It'll give you the chills. Plus some other stuff I've shown before, Lewis doing black and blue in East Berlin and other stuff. So that's all at 2.30. 4.30, I'm showing Satchmo the Great, uh, Edward R. Murrow film, 65-minute film, that was released in theaters in 1957 and has never been on DVD, video, or anything, following Armstrong around Africa and Europe and back home to New York where he plays with Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic. Uh, it's not on YouTube. It's really nowhere, so it's your only chance to see that at 4.30. And tomorrow, Dan Morgenstern and I were presenting on Lewis's history in Denmark. We have footage from 1933, footage from 1959, uh, lots of different things there. And then at 4.30 tomorrow, I'm closing out the day with some of my hand-picked favorite Lewis Armstrong TV appearances. And again, stuff I've never shown down here like Lewis on the Jackie Gleason show playing oh, That's wow. a Plenty. And yes. Jackie Gleason comes out and joins him on trumpet at the oh, end. Oh, wow, very goodness. funny. Uh, Lewis on the Danny Kaye show, on the Bing Crosby show with Horace Height. Yeah, there's lots of crazy things. Now, it's, would you ever think Lewis, Lewis Armstrong, Armstrong and Horace, Horace Height in his musical <laughs> nights? <laughs> wow. if, if you don't believe it, you'll see it tomorrow. And then Sunday, again, Daryl Sherman's doing a beautiful thing at 1230, just focusing on Armstrong, the singer. And again, I'm kind of her AV person on that. Uh, we pulled a lot of great Armstrong vocals, mostly from the, the 50s and things like April and Portugal and stuff that you might not be too familiar with. But once you hear it and once you hear Daryl, who's a phenomenal singer, explain it, you'll come away with even more appreciation for Armstrong, the singer. Sunday at 3.30 is the Seminar All-Stars Band. This was something we did last year just kind of as, you know, we thought it would be a throwaway, but it went over so well. We took a bunch of the presenters, David Ostwald on tuba, Bruce Rayburn on drums, myself on piano, uh, Dan Morgenstern singing, uh, Yoshio Toyama on trumpet, his wife Kiko (laughs) on banjo, I think Bryce Miller is going to join us on trumpet. And it's just going to be a jam session, but just with made the, up of the all panel these. Presenters. Yeah, the panel presenters. <laughs> so that's he gonna, said I could sit in, but it has to be with toilet paper and a comb. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This is our, our, our modern day Red McKenzie. Yes. <laughs> 
And then I'm closing out the festival, the seminar portion at 4.30 on Sunday with an all-video look at the last two years of Armstrong's life. Uh. It, it might sound like, you know, what does that mean? If the entire room is not curled up in the fetal position crying at the end of this presentation, then I have uh. not done my job. Because I, uh. <laughs> I have Armstrong's last surviving TV appearances from the Dick Cavett show four months before he died. Wow. I have news coverage of his death, of his funeral. Um, it's pretty deep, but it's an incredible triumphant story these last two years when doctors are telling him cool it stay home stop playing and he wills himself back he gets back in shape he plays again he sings again he does these fantastic tv appearances but it was too much and you know he ended up he could have lived 10 more years but it's the story of this guy who needed to do do. what he was put on earth for and uh you know you see him gradually fading with each clip i show but you know it's just beautiful how he was wow. out there. Rick, yes. you're going to have the, um, the the Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash will be shown. Yeah. Lewis was on the Johnny Cash show, and it October. was really fantastic, reprising the great Jimmy Rogers. Blue Yodel number nine. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. less than a year before he dies, and he it feels like it's 1925 again. He just picks up the trumpet, and it's beautiful. So that's what I'm doing this weekend, but... Right now, we are still in mosaic land. (laughs) And we're going to be here for quite some time, (laughs) too. Um, So I think we have time for one more. Yes, in the CD9. CD9. What this is, uh, Columbia recorded Armstrong at Newport, 1956-1958. And of those two concerts, each one making up about three hours worth of music, give it two and a half hours worth of music, um, they released a total of four tracks (laughs) in the last... 60 years, almost, wow. almost 60 years. So now the complete concerts are here, taking up uh, two full discs. And the Newport 58 concert is extra special. It's beautiful stereo sound. Uh, there's a reunion at the end with Jack Tiarn on trombone and Bobby Hackett on cornet. Uh, Lewis is in rambunctious form. He curses a lot. I wouldn't play too much of this concert <laughs> on the radio because you might get some FCC violations or something, but it's 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 very funny. Um, but it ends with this one-two punch of Lewis doing a turbocharged rendition of When the Saints Go Marching In, you know, the national anthem down here, and then he follows that with the actual national anthem. And if you've never heard Lewis Armstrong play the Star-Spangled Banner, well... You know, wow. call the wife and kids and the whole family around the, the radio or computer. In fact, right some now. of the, your listeners might know the um, the Newport Fifty Eight material came out. Some of it in, in heavily edited form on yes. Jazz on a Summer's Day. Right, yeah. the great uh, minutes. Uh, yeah. Mahalia, film yeah. with Mahalia, yeah. yes, and and Chuck Berry and and Monk yeah. and everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so 12 Minutes came out. It's actually on a YouTube clip. Hundreds of thousands of people have loved this 12-minute clip, but it's only a taste. You know, we have the entire 90-minute wow. mm. set. And we should also mention, not available yet, but the two Newport concerts are also going to be issued by Mosaic on vinyl. Uh, and with vinyl exploding, this should be out almost any day now. It's, uh, we were hoping this week, maybe next week. It's going to be a four LP set. For, for more you know, information on that, go to mosaicrecords.com. Mosaic and also, if you want information on Queen College, y'all yeah, have Yeah, go to lewisarmstronghouse.org. Lewis uh, I still run my Armstrong blog, which is just the work of a mental patient. That's at uh, dippermouth.blogspot.com. 
And I'm also on Facebook, too. And I think half of New Orleans follows me on Facebook. Yes. But if the other half is interested in donut pictures, I have powdered sugar all over my pants. <laughs> I, I, I had beignets this morning. Uh, so follow me on Facebook. And, you know, it's all Armstrong all the time. Okay, so the last two cuts. Saints go marching in, followed by the Star Spangled Banner. Play ball. <laughs> Lewis and the All-Stars, along with Jack Teagarden and Bobby Hackett and... Uh, Trummy Young in the background there doing some great stuff. Of course, the Saints and uh, and our national anthem. And it's years a, before Jimi Hendrix too. And yes. it's, <laughs> it's a decade before Jimi Hendrix did it. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, quick shout out, if I may. Am I allowed shout outs yes, here? Yes. Okay. I just got a picture of my uh, my mom and dad and my uh, brother and sister in law in, in uh, Bluffton, South Carolina. So, and they're and they're listening. Uh, they're, you know, they got it streaming, and uh, nice. that's it. We love you all down there, and uh, Hello, thanks for listening. We hope everybody else, you know, is, is streaming as well. You don't have to be in New Orleans to listen to this great stuff here. This is amazing. I, I was on the air in Stamford, Connecticut with a jazz station in the 1980s, and uh, I was able to do a traditional jazz show and a big band show, and it's so beautiful to see that this is happening. Of course, it's here in New Orleans. Where, you know, right. it has to be here, but um, uh, Keith, wonderful job, and, 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 and kudos to everybody here at the station. It's, it's really wonderful to hear Amen. this stuff. Amen. And once again, you're in tune to WWOZ 90.7 FM in New Orleans. My name is Keith. This is the traditional jazz show here on a Friday morning. And joining me this morning, Mr. Uh, Ricky Ricardi and Mr. Scott Wenzel. Wenzel. Mm-hmm. And he's with Mosaic Records. And uh, Ricky is with the uh, Louis Armstrong House. House yeah. The house, yes. And uh, it's great to have you all with us this morning. And, and, and once again, about the box set released today. In, uh, It'll be for sale. The gates open at eleven o'clock. There's a merchandise table down there. Look for the big. This, this, there's there's actually going to be two mosaic sets. They're both fantastic. The one we talked about today is called Columbia and RCA Victor Live Recordings of Louis Armstrong and the All Stars. And so, the other set is it's the uh, complete uh, Decca recordings, <clears throat> nineteen thirty five to forty six. And that has as well uh, oh. some unissued things, not too much, but uh, you know all his big band stuff, which uh, a lot of uh, critics uh, used to um, uh, look down upon. Yeah. But there's he's a prime prime uh, uh, on top of his game there, Louis is, and uh, uh, great big band material, and also some small group stuff uh, oh, with uh, Boucher, Hawaiians. Hawaiians. He's got gospel, uh, choirs. gospel choirs. He's doing uh, stuff with the Mills Brothers, yeah. um, um, some old Burt Williams material, and uh, you name it. Yeah. You know, great great stuff. <laughs> and great notes by Dan. And great notes, a Grammy Award winning notes uh, from Dan Morgenstern on that set. Yeah, yeah. All right. Once again, thank you all for coming in this morning. Thank and, you, uh, thank Thanks you, for all that yeah, wealth of information. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening.